We turn then this morning to the passage that we have been reading and will read again this morning and Lord willing next Lord's Day as well. That has been our theme for this month as we have dealt with the subject of Scripture. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We hear God's word again. But understand this, that in the last days... There will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far for their folly, will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer. Our holy God, we thank thee, Lord, for this opportunity to enter thy house and hear your word preached, this holy inspired word that came from thee. We pray now that thou be with Pastor Bob so he can deliver thy message with the help of thy Holy Spirit, and we can take it and apply it to our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Our text this morning is actually going to be verses 14 and 15 of that third chapter. Let me read those again. But as for you being addressed not only to Timothy, but 
to believers in Jesus Christ, to the church of Jesus Christ, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But before we deal with that text, let me draw your attention to several others. I I have two points this morning. The first point is this, other scripture passages and the 2 Timothy 3 text. So those are the two points, a little bit different, a little placed before you in a little bit different way, but I think uh, as we go through this, it will make sense. You see, we've been dealing with the Word of God, not only what the Word of God is, not only that, that it's this breathed out Word and all that that means and implies, that the Word is truth and what that means and what that implies and that which the Word is able to do. What the Word is able to accomplish, it's able to make us wise unto salvation. That word is able to correct. That word is able to reproof us. That word is able to train us in righteousness. That word is able to make us complete. That word is able to equip us for every good work. But it doesn't do that just sitting there. The word does not accomplish that for which it is given by sitting, closed, collecting dust upon our bookshelves or in the back seat of our vehicles. The Word of God needs to be responded to for it to accomplish the purpose for which God has given to it in order for that we might know the truth, in order that we might hear God himself speak to us. God has certain responses as to there's the word. How are we to respond to this breathed out truth of God that is able to make us wise to salvation, to equip us for every good work. But before, as I say, we come to 2 Timothy 3, let me give you a few others. First, what does God expect from us? What response does God expect? He expects that we will hear the word. We will hear it. John 8, 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not from God. You know who said that? Jesus Christ. Jesus said that which marks those who are of God. Those who are believers are those who hear the word. Those who do not hear the word of God are those who are not of God. Jesus follows that up in John chapter 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. 
and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, right? We, we just sang Psalm 23, a reflection back upon Jesus' words here, are they not? We as God's people need to be hearing the word of God. This is what we need to have filling our ear canals. Secondly, God expects our response not only to be one of hearing, but of one of obedience. Right? Matthew 7, 24, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears and puts into practice. In other words, everyone who hears and obeys. And of course, there's this classic text in regards to that from James chapter 1. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. God has a purpose in giving to us his word. That purpose is accomplished only if we are those who are hearers of the word and those who are doers of the word. Notice, John and Jesus are not saying, all you have to be is a doer of the word. No, to be a doer of the word, you have to be a hearer. But if you're really a hearer of the word, then you are a doer of the word as well. Third, we are to meditate on that word. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's always there. That word is never set aside. That word is never put away. That word is always active in our minds. We're always thinking in various contexts of the word. We're drawing upon the word. We're leaning upon that word. As we go through our days, that word is not absent and void from our thinking. We, we don't compartmentalize life and say, well, now this is a time for the word. This is a time for science, or this is a time for my work, or this is a time for, for another activity. No, the word is always to be a part of our thinking. Or we could hear the word of God from Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Remember, we are like a man who looks in a mirror and immediately forgets what we, we are like. Well, if the mirror in that is the word of God, then we are to take the mirror with us. How do we take the mirror, the word with us? By meditating on it. By having it as the resource of our mind. Fourth, we are to delight in the word. 
Psalm 119, verse 16. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You see, see the attitude towards it. This is a delight. What a blessing. What a... What a delight it is to know that Almighty God speaks to you and me. He talks to us on a regular, ongoing basis. You don't have to go through a third party. God speaks to you. The majestic, holy God the sovereign Lord of the universe talks to you. What a delight. I'm sure if we put out a survey question and ask the majority of people in this world, who would you like to have a conversation with? You imagine how that gets filled out? Oh, probably some star athlete, maybe some movie star, maybe some great historical figure. You and I can answer that question. Have a conversation with God every day. God speaks to me. And the Jeremiah is saying, when, when I read that, when those words come in to my life, ah, what a delight. Because there's truth. There is the truth. And these words make me wise to salvation. We are to be attentive to the word, or to be actively listening to the word. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Isaiah 28, 23, give ear and hear my voice, give attention and hear my speech. There, there's almost, you might say, well, then isn't being attentive like hearing? Yes, but it's focused. It's focused hearing. It's this is the word of God. Listen. Be attentive. Hang upon every word, upon every syllable, upon every verse, upon every chapter, upon every book. Be attentive. To it. Oh, Pastor Bob's reading. I, I guess that's time to unwrap my candy now. And, and I'm working on my candy. I don't know. He's reading something from Romans, but I'm working on my candy right now. That's not being attentive to the word. That's not being focused on the word. Right? That, that's being directed somewhere else. Even in the midst of the word. And how we struggle with this, do we not, brothers and sisters in Christ? Even when we're devotionally reading this word, we're reading it and all of a sudden those thoughts of, of work come into play. 
those, those thoughts of, oh, I got this, this and this and this to do today, or we start, our mind begins to wander, right? We think prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Yes, we're prone, even as we're reading your word. And so we have to hear the command of God. We have to hear that which God expects of us. When this word is read, this is not like the teacher in, in Charles Schultz, Peanut. You ever notice that? Whenever the teacher talks or mom or dad talks in Peanuts, okay, it's never audible. That's not the way it's to be. We're to be attentive. Right? Probably some of you have sat in science classes or history classes, and you, 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 you have no idea what is being said, and you're doodling and so on and so on, and the teacher would say, so what were my last words, Robert? See, I can do this personally. I don't know. See, we're, to, we're, we're not to be that way with the Word of God. We're to be attentive to that word, focused upon it. And lastly, we are in, in this section, we are to hope in the word. Psalm 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Psalm 130, verse five, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope. What a message is that not for our society and for our world today, right? Now, my, my hope is not in the next poll. My hope is in the living, true word of God because I know this speaks truth for all eternity. Hoping. What we have to offer this world in the midst of the hopelessness and despair that we read all about us. Whether it's a young man overdosing, whether it's another shooting and murder in our city, whether it's the abandonment of all that is civil in the streets of Portland, Hope, not in the next election, not in a politician, in the word. This is the hope. The word tells us that. God tells us that. He speaks that truth to us. Now, let's go back to 2 Timothy. Because this, I mean, once you start in the Word, all of this stuff just keeps coming. You, you just read the Word and all of a sudden, oh, this is what God expects me to respond to. This is how God expects me to respond to His truth, the Scriptures. But let's look at 2 Timothy for just a moment. Chapter 3, look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. What is Paul telling in regards to Timothy and the sacred writings that come up in verse 15? He's saying you learn them. That's what God expects. 
That's the response that God expects from you and I, that we would learn the scriptures. The learned here is kind of an interesting understanding, though. It's, it's not, the, it's not the, the understanding of the particular words and passages. It's knowing it. It's knowing the facts. God desires for us to know the factual truths that God has in his word. It's important that we know that Isaac is the son of Abraham and that Jacob is the son of Isaac and he is the grandson of Abraham. It is important to know the 12 tribes. It is important to know who the judges were. It is important to know who Saul was. It is important to know who the Ziphites were. It is important to know where En Gedi is. It is important. Why? Because God gave it to us. And he isn't wasting our time. He isn't giving us this in order to bore us. He's saying this is important. I'm giving it to you so that you learn it. The facts. Not to be dismissive of those. To know the facts. Because by knowing the facts, you know the truths. And by knowing the truths, you know the doctrines. Do you know what God spoke through the prophet Hosea to his people? My people are destroyed. For what? Are they destroyed because they don't know how to love? Nope. Are they destroyed because they don't know how to give? Nope. Are they destroyed because they don't have understanding? No. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They simply don't know what God has said. What a responsibility falls upon us individually. What a responsibility falls upon a mother and father. What a responsibility falls upon a church to teach. Because we're required to learn that which God has said. My guess, my guess, my friends, is that there are probably many of you who can repeat line for line for line of song after song after song that blares at us from the immoral society of this world. You know them all, and you don't know one sound. You don't know one sound. What does God expect of us as we come to this world? That we learn it. That's why he gave it to us. So that it would be there in our minds. So that when they come and rip this out of our church, when they come and rip this out of your house, you still know the word of God. You still have it. Think of those folks in those Chinese churches. They take little scraps of the word. They fold them up small. 
They memorize. They memorize. Then they pass them to one another. How much do we really know? We decry the fact that kids today when they graduate from high school don't know anything about American history. And yet we're content. We're content to let them be educated. But not in this truth. We don't even care if they got to Sunday school or not. We, we don't even, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they learn that story about the Good Samaritan. That's not important. And God is saying, yes, it is. Pay attention, Timothy, to that which you have learned. And continue in it. Don't leave it, Timothy. Don't move on from it. To, to continue in the word, as he says in verse 14. But as for you, continue. Continue in what you have learned. To abide in, to stay, to remain. The verb that is used there is a present imperative active, meaning it is continually commanded. I am to continue in the word now. I am to continue in the word now. I'm continuing the word now. I'm to continue in it when I'm seven. I'm to continue in it when I'm 13. I'm continuing it when I'm 20, when I'm 50, when I'm 88. I am to continue in the word. I am never to say, oh, that's enough of the word. I do not need the word. What a blessing it is to walk into the room of one of those who is in a care facility and they're reached an elderly stage and they're sitting there and their Bible is open and you know what's on top of the Bible? A magnifying glass so they can see it. They don't go, oh, man, I can't read anymore. Oh, I, I guess I'll just... No, they do what they can. And they have a tape machine over there or a CD player and, and they're listening to the scriptures. Continue in. And especially in the context of this passage, right? There's all sorts of pressures upon Timothy. Leave. There's going to be itching ears. There's going to be non-sound doctrine. Continue in. Don't leave. Don't abandon the truths that you have learned. That's what God commands us. We don't grow past the word of God. We don't spiritually say, I no longer need the word of God proceeding from his mouth. I am so spiritual, I don't need it any longer. Continue in. Thirdly, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. What does God expect us to do with this word? What is our response? To believe it. To be convinced of, to be assured, to have faith in, to have absolute certainty that this is the word of God. Of God. This is truth. 
And we're not to accumulate those who itch our ears. Those who tickle our fancies. Or to believe the truth that God has given. Fourthly, we are to be acquainted with the word. Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What a beautiful passage, isn't it? How from childhood you've been acquainted. What does that word acquainted mean? We might say it means to be familiar with. That's how we take it. The Greek, however, implies to see with one's eyes. How from a child you have been acquainted to see with one's eyes. Quite a few, probably in this room, who grew up that at the supper table, when food was finished, when the meal was finished before dessert, dad, generally, sometimes mom, would reach out down from underneath the table, and we as children would see the word. And he'd open the Bible, and there'd be a marker. A marker at where was last read. And even as children, unable to read ourselves, we would see the word being read. And then there reached that stage. That stage when we began to read. And we'd say, can I read tonight? As little kids sitting around the table with mom and dad, brothers and sisters, we'd read. Sometimes it was painful if you're the older sibling, right? Like, oh, is he ever going to get done with that verse? Mom and dad knew and understood. That's enough. That's enough for today. But we became acquainted with the Scriptures. See, there's a reason this Bible is big. The reason the Bible is big so that you children can see the Word of God to be acquainted with, to see with the eyes, to read. Lastly, there is a fifth thing in this text. That's why I pointed out the other text. It's like, no, this isn't the only thing. I gave you kind of a smorgasbord out there of other things. But there is one more thing in this text. Listen to it again. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. 
and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see something else in that text? What else does God expect to be done with this word? What responsibility do you see God placing upon us? You learned it. If you learned it, what does that mean happened? Well, Paul tells us, you know those from whom you learned it. Paul expects, God expects, that this word be taught. Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? When you get up, mom and dad, when you lie down, when you walk in the way, bind these things as frontlets. Always have it before it. Teach these things to your children. It is your responsibility as mom and dad to teach God's word to your children. It is not to be left up to someone else. But it's not only Timothy's mother and grandmother who taught him. Who else taught Timothy? Paul did. But Paul's not family. But Paul is the church. He's the representative of the church. And with as much authority as Deuteronomy 6 comes to us, so comes the authority of Matthew chapter 28. Go into all the world and what? Teach. Teach the truth of God's word. It is a responsibility of the home. It is the responsibility of the church to teach God's truth in this world, in this society. To teach it for knowledge, yes, but to teach it also for understanding. This is what our children need today. This is what our society needs today. They need the Word of God. And what is the Word of God? Truth. What is the truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, when you're teaching that Isaac was the son of Abraham, you are teaching Christ. When you teach the size of the ark, you're teaching Christ. The Word made flesh. When we teach about the plagues, we're teaching Christ. When we teach about the kings, we're teaching Christ. When we teach about the priests, we're teaching Christ. When we teach the, the Beatitudes, we're teaching Christ. When we teach Romans, we're teaching Christ. When we delve into Hebrews, we're teaching Christ. 
When we study the life of David, we're teaching Christ. Why? Because Christ is the Word made flesh. It is God's truth incarnate. And you cannot escape the fact of the relationship between Christ and this Word. Do you parents want your children to know Christ? Teach them the Word. Church of Jesus Christ, do we want the children of this congregation to know Christ? Do we want the people of this world to know Christ? Do we want that unbelieving neighbor, that co-worker to come to know Christ? That we need to be those who teach the word. For in that, God is glorified. I lift up two things, the Lord says. My name and my word. In them, I am glorified. Father, we thank you. What a challenge to us in our world and in our society. For Lord, we, we fear we're at the Stages of the opening of 2 Timothy 3 and the opening of 2 Timothy 4. Feels like that in our society. Feels like there's an abandonment of truth, an abandonment of your word. Oh, Father, teach us. Teach us to hunger after the truth of your word. Not to simply gain knowledge, as important as that knowledge is, but to be doers, to be people who live that truth in this world, in this society. Father, our children, our young people, we ourselves are inundated with falsehood all around us. It's everywhere. We can't escape it. Yet, Father, far too often, we spend so little time in your word. We're busy running here and there. We don't have time to read it as a family or even as a couple. We're so busy with this and that, which are really unimportant things. We don't have time for your word. We, we make up excuses as to why we can't come to a Bible study. Why we no longer need to delve into your word. Frivolous things, really. There sits the truth. There sits Christ. The one who is able to make us wise unto salvation. To equip us and to prepare us. To make us complete. Father, we draw upon you. We are weak. Father, we are weak. We need the strength of this table. To take your word. To read it, to hear it, to listen to it, to obey it, to teach it, to meditate on it, to learn it, to continue in it. Give us the strength from this table to do so. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.